All right, no money coming out of the wazoo here, unfortunately. Yeah, we're a little short. We're a little short, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. I mean, see how much come out, but yeah, we're, we're short in that department. All right, let's go to the phones really quick. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the show. Who do I got? Uh, Mitch and Madison. Hey, you Mitch, guys, what's up, brother? You have to crop out Rowdy's. I'm going to have to go with in his rectum <laughs> as a soundbite and use that in the future. That is gold. No, I mean, Mitch, is, that, is that not the greatest like political story ever? We all know politicians oh. are corrupt as they come. This guy literally has got money coming out of his ass. Right. Government in and of itself is corrupt. I mean, uh, as you know, I've watched the Joe Rogan, Alex Jones podcast. Oh, incredible. And the, I watched the rest of that last night and the Bohemian Grove documentary and had some bourbon. So it was an interesting night for me. Doesn't that stuff just blow your mind? Yeah, it, it's crazy. These are all high-level politicians who are doing the most shadiest stuff you've ever seen. It's on film, it's on video. They even admit to it, and yet we're supposed to like go along with these people who run our country. Well, and the crap that they're singing about, whatever else, it's like... It, 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 it's it's wild. If you, if you have not seen it, you should watch it. Just, 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 Google, Bohemian, just Google Bohemian Grove. And then you'll go oh. down the rabbit hole and you'll be like, I can't believe these are the people that are lead the country and are in powers of position. Yep, yep, yes, Mitch, what's on your mind besides uh, well, shaking people out of their trance? Well, uh, in terms of the, what Bob was talking about with, with the... Uh, okay, let, the me reset, let me reset for the people that are just tuning in. So sure, we had a sure. caller call in, and he had a very good point. I, I know where he was coming from. He said that with the game being forfeit on Saturday against Nebraska, Wisconsin obviously did something wrong when it comes to COVID-19 because six players and six staff members have it. So he, Bobby was saying that he doesn't agree with the, forf- or the, um, the no contest, that it should be a forfeit. Because Nebraska didn't do anything wrong, Wisconsin did. And I said, I agree with the no contest because you could just go to a grocery store and wearing a mask, using, you know, cleaning your hands, yada, 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 abiding by social distancing, and still get COVID-19. But he was saying someone needs to be punished. Where do you fall on this? Yeah, here, here's the deal. You can't, I mean, gather yeah, rumors that they went out and what, ha- what have you, but you can't just automatically assume that they did something wrong. I mean, think about this. Let's say one of the the food, the people that uh, helps with their food, let's say they have a kid, that kid was going to daycare. The the kid at daycare got it, gave it to the food worker, the food worker gave it to one of the players, and it just snowballed. I mean, that's as plausible as anything else. So you can't, I'm not just saying this as a Badger fan or somebody who's kind of, you know, on the side of it being a no contest. You have to do it that way because, there's no real proof. It's basically impossible to trace it back to exactly. Well, Mitch, look Unless at, there was blatant, like, uh, you know, unless, like. Yeah, unless they're, like, having a kegger. There's, like, a kegger with right. hundreds of people in their basement partying, you know. Right. But, but right. Mitch, but, here's the thing. Like, Paul Christ, I think we all can assume Paul Christ isn't going out and partying with his players, right? Like, I don't. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Paul Christ doesn't do that. Paul, I don't think he's ever partying he's in not, his life. He's not Brett Bielema. <laughs> yeah, he's not Brett Bielema. Right. Paul Christ. Right tested negative the whole time with the daily antigen testing. Then right. the PCR test came back, and he was positive, and that's the more thorough one. So he never even tested positive, according to Christ, with the daily antigen rapid testing. He had to wait for the, the uh, PCR test that, for the results to come back from the lab for him to be positive. So he had no idea. Right, right. So you can't really – I mean, I get what he's saying. 
uh, but that's not really feasible. And then in terms of these Nebraska fans thinking that everybody's out to get them, when, when I was hearing that, all I thought was that scene from Jurassic Park, Dachshund, Dachshund, see, nobody cares. Like, nobody cares about <laughs> when Newman's When Newman's right. saying that stuff to that guy, yeah. Right, right. See, it's nobody like, cares. You guys are so, you guys are cool in, like, 83. Like, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. You're like mullets. Like, it's just not. Hey, hey, I got a kind of mullet going on right now. I think it looks kind of well, cool. Well, you know, new, a new mullet. There's different. There's the 80s mullet versus what, what you're rocking. Yeah, now, I'm, you just growing my, I'm just growing my hair out. I'm in that weird the, stage. The hybrid. Right? Yeah, yeah it's you, a hybrid. you got the hybrid. And then in terms of you guys were talking about balls to the face earlier. Um, well, hang on, you know, hang on. When, when, you, when you say you guys are talking about balls to the face, it sounds a little weird <laughs> out of context. We were talking about kids. I was talking about rifling Halloween candy at kids on the sidewalk because of COVID. You know, they can't come six feet to you. So throwing it as hard as they could and hitting them in the face. And then like a dodgeball being hit in the kid's face is nothing funnier than a kid getting hit in the face with a ball. Right, right. And what I was going to say is, yeah, I mean, I got one-year-old, so they crash and, you know, hit each other with stuff all the time. And, I mean, it's just part of life. I mean, ask Dave's mom. She gets hit with balls in the face all the time. Oh, no! <laughs> Mitch, we'll end on the high note right there. Well done, my friend. I'm out. See you, all buddy. Right. Drop the mic. It all comes back to the balls in the face. <laughs> all right. All right. Here we go. Comments. From the Don, Barry Alvarez, and Paul Christ on what has happened with the cancellation of the game on Saturday. Ready? You have anything on the tip of your tongue? Nope. Oh, all right. I thought you gave me a look for a second there. I think you were uh, thinking of balls to the face. <laughs> all right. Here's Paul Christ on talking about him getting a positive COVID-19 result, negative with the antigen daily test, but positive for the PCR. Yesterday morning we took an antigen test and was uh, negative there. And then yesterday afternoon we all took a PCR test and found out the results this morning. And they were positive. Here's more from Chris, and they're not sure how it happened. And I don't profess to be an expert on this, but this is one part of this virus that it it, it gets you in a number of different ways. And and we don't know. Like, did we have one super spreader? Did we? You know, I I don't know that. But you're you're absolutely always going to look at. How can we be better? Now, Rowdy, when Paul Chris said super spreader there, we, if you're not watching us on twitch.tv, you, you can do that. We both looked at each other, and when Paul Chris said super spreader, we both smiled and chuckled. Yeah, because I'm just thinking of the, the meme slash tweet that you put out with his nose being the super spreader with the mask on. The big J's out there, uh, one specifically, Darren Ravel of ESPN. He's a Northwestern guy, so let that sink in for a little bit. He thinks he's smarter and better than all of us. Uh, Darren Ravel tweeted out yesterday a picture of Paul Christ. And if you watched the game last Friday, obviously you saw Paul Christ with his nose hanging out. He had the gator over his mouth, but his nose was hanging out. Do you look silly with your nose hanging out? Yes, you do. Uh, I can't sugarcoat it anyway. You look silly with it, but it helps you breathe better, right? But you're kind of defeating the purpose of the mask if your nose is hanging out. I get it. Everyone wants to breathe properly. How many players, or I should say, how many coaches have we seen in the NFL rowdy and in college football of not even wearing a mask? Yeah, not wearing a mask or wearing the face shields. That's like Andy Reid with the face doing shield. Nothing. The whole bottom of the face shield is wide open. We see, we've seen Sean Payton uh, for the Saints not even wearing a mask. We saw John Gruden for the Raiders not even wearing a mask. Yeah, and it's weird how they allow the face shields because one sneeze or cough, it's going wherever. So we've have seen so many. Other football coaches, 
either not wearing a mask or not even having their mouth at all. That's over there. It's like a chin strap like Gruden was doing. There was no super spreader event, quote unquote, super spreader from any of these football teams with the coaches wearing or not wearing a mask. Darren Ravel goes yesterday tweeting out with a picture of Paul Chris with his nose hanging out saying, if we're going to wear masks, we should actually wear them. And then he basically blames Paul Chris for the outbreak happening. Because his nose was hanging out. You got you are a donkey, Darren Ravel. You are an oof. Rowdy, what, what what what's the agenda behind here of doing this with Paul Christ? He did everything that he was asked of and it came up with negative. And then the PCR test came back later with the positive. Do you really think that Paul Christ knows hanging out like that is a super spreader? Or is that just the big blue checkmark brigade trying to put their narrative in on Twitter? That's what it is. Is that one? Oh, 100%. Uh, here's more from Paul Christ on, you know, how it feels. We all know that Darren Ravel's a turd. Yeah, he's a Northwestern guy. He, he thinks he's better than everyone. Here's more from Paul Christ. It's two different. There's two things. When you say, like, how do you feel, right? There's a health feel. And then there's a disappointment feel, right? And but you were all probably real similar. And this is my favorite one of all the Paul Chris. We'll get to Barry Alvarez in one second here. This is my favorite one of Paul Christ. When he talks about um <laughs> I mean he heard it in the sports flash, I guess. I don't know if I should play it again, but he, he says opportunity a lot in it, Rowdy. And it, it's pretty I'll save it actually. I'll save it for later. Let's go to Barry Alvarez. Barry Alvarez talks about the decision to cancel the game. Since the game, we've had twelve positive tests. We just felt with the number of positives in that short a timeline, the chancellor and I felt we have an issue that we had to make this decision and get our arms around this and control the COVID uh, and the virus now before it got out of hand. So here's more from Alvarez on meeting with the chancellor and making the decision. The, the decision fell into the category where the chancellor and I had the prerogative to make a decision. And with as with 12 since the game, we felt it was appropriate to make the decision not to play. Well, I don't think they could have either because it was over the threshold, right? Yeah, technically, I think the sixth player would have been over that 5% threshold. So if 5% of your roster or more has COVID-19, you are not, you can't play. You have to shut down your and facilities. And Wisconsin's shutting down facilities. Would you think that that would have to go into coaches too? You'd, you'd almost have to combine your coaches and players. That's where I question and wonder about, right? Because – what was it? Purdue's Jeff Brom got COVID-19, yep. but I think he was the only one, right? Yeah, and the team was obviously still allowed to play and yeah. played. Yeah, and Barry Alvarez says this with, uh, the safety is their top priority. Your natural tendency is let's get back on the field and get right back at it, but uh, that's where you know you have to put priorities in order and make sure that our number one concern is health and safety of our athletes, and that, that's the priorities that we'll keep. All right, check this out. Yesterday, we got into some heated discussion here about the 21-day policy for the Big Ten. The Big Ten has a 21-day policy only for players. So if you're a coach like Paul Christ and the five other on staff that has been positive of COVID-19, you only have to sit out, if you're a coach, you only have to sit out 10 days. That's it. Which is also the NCAA guideline, the CDC guideline, and every other conference that's besides playing college Ten. football besides the Big Ten's guideline. So if you are a coach in the Big Ten, it's 10 days. If you are a player or a coach in any other conference besides the Big Ten, it's still 10 days. But if you are a player in the Big Ten, like Graham Mertz, 
you must sit out 21 days. Now, this 21 days is for a cardiologist to come in, heart doctor, and make sure that you don't have lingering and lasting effects from COVID-19 in you know your heart. Like we've seen, I think it was one player, was it from Indiana, right? Yep. One player from Indiana that had who, it. Who previously already had a condition. Yes. And then um, it was worsened by COVID. Myocard, it's myocarditis is what it's called. It's uh, the virus's impact on the heart. Now, this was a big factor in the initial decisions by four conferences to postpone the 2025 football season, most notably the Big Ten. And this was also a factor of why the Big Ten has 21 days for a player to sit out. It has now come out. This comes from uh, Sports Illustrated did a, a big article released yesterday from a peer-reviewed medical publication. This medical publication is called the Journal of the American Medical Association. It's been around the Journal of American Medical Association peer-reviewed. It's been around since it's been around for 132 years and is held in very high esteem among medical industry experts according to all the doctors that, you know, read this medical journal. It's publication. In this publication by sports cardiologists, they have now found cardiologists are finding so few heart issues in athletes that these cardiologists are now no longer recommending screenings for most COVID positives in these athletes. They have now said emerging data with this heart condition that happens that is affiliated with COVID-19 that they're finding less than 1%, if at all, in athletes. They're, they are barely even finding any at all in athletes when it comes to this condition. Barry Alvarez was even talking about, I saw in this article, that it's time to take a serious look at the 21 days for the Big Ten. Now, this was all, I know medicals and science changes rapidly. That's what it's all about. The, the only constant in his life is, is change, right? Change is the only constant thing in his life. Things are always changing. So with these new things from a, a medical publication that's been around for 132 years that's held in very high regard, with medical professionals, their heart doctors, their cardiologists are saying they're not even finding cases for this heart affliction comes to COVID-19 with these college athletes. Less than 1% if they're even finding it at all. Uh, I would love, I can, I can just, I can tweet this article out for you and we can talk about it. But the Big Ten now is one of the reasons why they were doing this is was for this heart condition for 21 days. And if I remember correctly, Rowdy, didn't the University of Michigan come out to say that the data they were using was bunk? Yep. And then they said that before the Big Ten season even rescheduled. Yeah. All right. We'll have our, uh, we'll dive back into and this. And all I have to say is, mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, we'll go, we'll dive back into this. We have uh, our Packer inside of Rob Reichel coming up. But first, let's go to the phones. Welcome to the show. Who do I got? That's a lot of fear porn now, Nelson. You're talking, <laughs> about, you're talking about money coming out of your ass. It's a lot of fear porn. Careful, the money in the Alvarez. <laughs> what's you up, know, dude? I couldn't get offended by that now, Evil. Dave, what's on your mind besides trying to troll people? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I got a kick out of I got a kick out of Alvarez's clip there. He's trying to make himself out to be the hero. We did this. We thought that uh, that the chancellor tonight. No, Barry, uh, you did nothing. Those those guidelines were already in place. Stop patting yourself in the back if you're concerned about safety. Everything was all taken care of. As far as Bob, yeah, 
those players should be suspended. Yeah, Dave, so you're on the agreement that the players should be be taking a forfeit, correct, and not having yeah, a no contest. absolutely, because Nebraska players didn't do anything wrong. I mean, uh, and Paul Chris didn't do anything wrong. Somebody on that team broke the rules. And they were told back in September, if you're down there by Ian's Pizza jumping out of a van, say, hey, how about that, guys? How about that? Taking selfies? Suspension. Kicked out of school. They did, it, but you know, we won't see that in Madison because the football players are catered. Well, I don't think you'll see that in any D1 program, uh, yes, really. Yes, they did. Many universities have kicked, have kicked their students out when they were told, and they, and they continued to break the rules, they were kicked out of school. But poor football players, like, you know, like Graham Burst, those guys jump out of a van and say, hey, how about that, guys? So, Dave, what, what could the Badgers do to win over the faction of people that say, yo, they should be having a forfeit, not a no contest? What can they do? Just bunker down at home and never, never leave their house besides oh, the practice know, they, and play? Yes. You were there for one reason only to go to school and play football. You're not there to go out to Ian's Pizza and out there to Calvetton all night. You're tested every single day. So if somebody gets, by the way, Mitch, one person's an accident, 12 is, 12 is somebody messed up big time. And, you know, Paul, Chris, and the coaches are paying the prices because of, some, because of irresponsible players. If you're not going to hold them accountable, but why am I shocked? You're, this generation, you know, poor little kids, <laughs> they keep doing anything wrong. Let's go to pizza. Dave, people got to eat, man. I know you like pizza. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I'm offended by that. It's fear porn, Nelson. A lot of fear porn. <laughs> All right, Dave. Talk to you later. I'm thinking pipe bombed. I've been getting pipe bombed a lot lately. We welcome in the true heartbreaker from Forbes.com, our Packer insider, Rob Reichel. Robbie, what's up, dude? I'm telling you, Evo, on, on, on the day I, on the day they put me in the ground and I hopefully find my way to the pearly gates, I. You, you are without question given the eulogy. So. I'm a great you Googleizer, Robbie. I would yeah, love to give I, you a eulogy. I, I, I am booking you for that gig right now. So. Rob, I don't I don't ever want you to die, brother, but if, if worst wow. case scenario happens, I will love to give you a eulogy, okay? Hey man, the twenty twenty is rolling, you never know what's on. Only the how about so. this? If if I if I kick the bucket first, Rob, pushing up daisies, can you write my obituary? Because you're such a good writer. <laughs> I, I will write it and, and we'll, we'll let Nelly present it. I'm yeah, okay. and I'll record a eulogy just in case I do, you know, go first. All right, Robbie? <laughs> there, you, there you go. You, you can call Michael Scott for the world. <laughs> in 2020, anything's possible here. All right, Rob, speaking of anything being possible, uh, how about that bounce back game for the Green Bay Packers in Houston against the Texans? Can I just say the word yawn? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm not impressed. Really? Okay, I, tell I, me more. I, I, I am and I'm not. Obviously, it was, a, it was a solid win for them. Evo, but here's the thing. Their five wins right now have come against teams that are a combined 10 and 22. Okay? The, the, the only really, really good team they played up till now beat the bejesus out of them, Tampa Bay. They see another outstanding team, at least I think they're still outstanding, next Thursday in San Francisco. Hey, credit to the Packers. They're, they're taking... They can't draw up and they can't control the schedule, right? You play who's put in front of you. But I think honestly, evil until proven otherwise. To me, the lasting impression and the lasting image of this team is still getting run out of the NFC Championship game in San Francisco and getting hammered by a top three defense in Tampa Bay. They have to step up and and maybe not win that game next Thursday necessarily in San Francisco, Evo, but they can't lose 37-8 to again, right? They can't be down 27 nothing like they like they were in the NFC Championship game. That's a game where they have to play those guys within 23-20, 27-24, whatever the number is. Um, they, they, they need to be competitive because I still think at the end of the day, 
If Kings got NFC West is evil, San Francisco is going to be a, a four or five seed, something like that in the playoffs. Um, again, kudos to Green Bay for, yeah. for beating the tar out of people that they should beat. And, and they'll probably do the same thing on, on Sunday against the Viking team that's selling off parts and really has very little to play for amazingly here as, as we hit November 1st. But, um, you know, until Green Bay does it against the big boys of, of the world, the Buccaneers right now, the Seahawks, the 49ers, I, I, I guess they did beat the Saints. That, that was a solid win. Remember, though, yep. New, Orleans played, New, New Orleans played without Michael Thomas that night, Evo. So um, I, I'm just saying, until proven otherwise, until they can beat one of the upper echelon teams, I, I put Green Bay somewhere between about five and seven in the NFL, Evo, and, and not quite good enough to win a championship. All right, Robbie, always stirring up the pot. You know I love that, Rob. So when it comes to that game, though, in Houston, it looked like, because you had had written an article about it and shared it on these airways about J.J. Watt, it looked like the Green Bay Packers broke J.J. Watt. Uh, I don't know if you saw the press conference afterwards. He was very beside himself, looked pissed, wanted out. Do you see the Packers, I mean, J.J. Watt included, making a move before the trade deadline? What do you think is the biggest issue for the Packers, and will they make a move? I kind of expected when the Packer plan landed back in Green Bay, J.J. Watt was going to get off it with them. That's, that's, that, that's how bad it looked like he wanted to get out of town in that presser evil. I mean, J.J. Watt's always been first class, at least as far as I know. And, he, and he's treated the media, certainly in Houston, really well, and, and they've reciprocated. But, boy, that, that was a painful press conference, and, and every every answer Watt had was three, four words at, at the most. And that's just, you know, that, that, those, aren't, those just aren't good optics. That, 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 that's a bad way to kind of do your business. Um, to your question, although, do I think they'll make a move? I mean, honestly, I, I think if they want to legitimately make a run, they absolutely they absolutely have to. I mean, Tampa Bay is clearly all in. They, uh, 24 hours, less than 24 hours, I think, after, the, after they beat Green Bay, they added the, the defensive tackle, McClendon, and then last week they obviously signed Antonio Brown. Now, now that one could blow up on them. I'm not a fan of that, but they're, they're obviously all in, Evil. Seattle's going to be all in. It's, it, it's just how they do business. They went out yesterday and got a defensive end, Carlos Dunlop. I can guarantee you New Orleans is playing for 2020. Uh, this is probably going to be Drew Brees' last year. The Saints are going to go all in. John Lynch has been extremely aggressive in his time in San Francisco, adding pieces at the trading deadline. You, re- you remember last year he had an Emmanuel Sanders, which was probably one of the few trade pieces that ended up working out for for a team, Sanders was was a big part of them getting to the Super Bowl. So my point there, Evo, is that the the people around them, the other people in their high rent district on their block of the street, are going to be you know are going to be adding a, a, a rec room, right? They're they're going to add a sun porch. They're they're going to add a, a fourth garage. Um, Ooh, a four, they're, a four they're, seasons they're, room. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they're all they're all loading up, Evo, and and, and if Brian Gutekunst doesn't do it this year. I, I just don't know when they're going to do it, Evo, because you look ahead to 2021, they're top 39 players right now. They've only got 39 guys under contract, Evo, and they're, they're only $3 million away from the cap already. Really? I mean, they're going to they're gonna be an absolute cap hell next year. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you have to remember, they have, they have to find a way then to add 30 players to that, to that roster and, 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 and fit them into $3 million. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, so, if, if you kind of look long term, and then and then by 2022, 2022, sorry, you know, uh, Jordan loves the quarterback. So you you, you look big picture and, and you say, well, they've got about eight million to play with right now. 
um, you would only have to prorate the contract of whoever it is you bring in. So let, let's say you bring in a guy who makes a million dollars a game. You know, you're only paying him the last nine or ten weeks of the year. You can probably get them to budge on that contract and restructure it a little bit. Um, they, can, they can fit a, a major piece in there, Evo. $8 million isn't a ton um, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's enough to go out and, and, and get a guy to work. Probably not an Amari Cooper type of type of a player who, who so many of the people are, are saying that's who Green Bay should go acquire, the Dallas wide receiver. That's a five-year, $100 million contract. But you find a guy like Watt, um, who's at the back end of his contract. You find a guy like Will Fuller, who's in the fifth year of a five-year deal, the wide receiver down in Houston. Um, you get out of that contract after the 2020 season. And, and I'll be honest, with you, I think the rebuild starts as early as next year, certainly mm. by 2022. Uh, or if not a full-fledged rebuild, it's a retool, just because they've got so many cap issues a year from now. Well, Rob, let me ask you, man. So looking at the Green Bay Packers right now, um... They obviously, when it comes to their evaluation of the wide receivers in the offseason, they didn't do too well. We just saw, what, Devontae Adams, and that was it against the Texans, and he's incredible. He's amazing. But with the injuries piling up, you know, what's the, do you know the verdict on Aaron Jones? Do you know if he's going to be playing on Sunday or not? I'd be very surprised if Jones goes on Sunday. And again, this will be a week, just like last week against Houston, that they can get away with sitting a few of their better players. I'd be surprised if Bakhtiari played, I guess, Jones. You might see him next a week from now, next next Thursday night, in, in really what's going to be a marquee, huge game in, in the big picture of things, um, in, in terms of NFC supremacy and seeding and all that once we hit the postseason. But I, I think they'll be very conservative again on Sunday, though, Evo. Yeah, so do I. So um, I did see, what, Alan Lazard and Christian Kirksey coming back uh, to practice. What's Do you know their timeline at all off of the IR? The timeline is going to be, I mean, the, they, they, they can be activated at any point in time. You know, um, I, I don't think he's going to be ready again for Sunday. Maybe next week. I, I And if you look at that, they, need, they certainly need Lazard far more right now than they need Kirksey. I think Kamal Martin had a really good debut uh, Sunday in, in Houston. But like you said, they are, they are completely devoid of people at the wide receiver position right now after Devontae Adams. And, and as good as Adams is, you're not going to see Houston every week, right? You're, yeah. you're not going to see a team this week like, like Minnesota. Well, didn't, Robbie, didn't Aaron Rodgers say something along the lines of, like, I was trying my hardest, Devontae Adams was so wide open, I was trying my hardest not to miss him? <laughs> That's exactly what he said. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, and he actually almost did miss him once or twice, including one of the touchdown throws. But, um, no, I mean, Rodgers calls that college wide open. Uh, and, then, and then he's got another term for NFL wide open. I mean, you, you put on games on Saturdays and – especially in the Big 12, there's, there's people running wide open all over the field. It felt like that with Devontae Adams. When Houston lost their number one corner, Bradley Roby, about three or four snaps into the game, Roby was going to travel with Adams throughout the course of that game. Um, it just, it just, it, it absolutely destroyed the Texans' game plan. And they didn't have a, they didn't have a matchup. I mean, after that, that evil, they're playing with number three and four corners. And, and those guys just can't man up against, against a guy like, like Adams. But, but, Evo, what has to be concerning if you're Brian Gutekunst and the Packers is that when, when you do get to the games, I mean, let, let's be honest, when, when you're in Green Bay, right, this isn't the measuring stick Super Bowl. Yes, and, it's title town. And, and, and nobody remembers week seven or eight or whatever it is against, against the Texans. That, that at, the, at the end of the day, that, that's pretty irrelevant. Rob, they don't call it 13 and 3 town, they call it title town. You got it right. I mean, I, I remember, Evo, after the 15 and 1 season, I sat with Ryan Pickett 
for quite a while in the locker room that day, and he said, you know, as good as we were, he goes, nobody's ever going to remember us at all. And, and he was right. I mean, they, re- they remember championships in Green Bay. And, um, you know, even if, if, if they don't add another piece at wide receiver, I do think they've got real issues because teams like Tampa Bay, teams like San Francisco, they're going to scheme and take and take Adams away. They'll, they'll go they'll go with the number one core and probably some safety help on Adams to take him away. And now who has to beat you, right? Is, M- MVS has been invisible. Shepard offers virtually nothing. Um, they're they're going to need Lazard, obviously, to step up and, and, and be and be a big-time player. But but in a playoff game, Evo, do you trust Lazard to go get 8, 9, 10 catches on, on his 12 targets? Um, that, that, that could be a stretch. I mean, that, that's why I really think as you circle, excuse me, circle the Packers' needs. It starts. It starts with wide receiver and it starts at defensive line. That they, they've got to find a way to consistently stop the run against upper echelon teams, and they they've got to have a compliment to Devontae Adams. Evil that that, that, that compliment could even be tight end. I mean, they were in on Zach Ertz last week. Um, apparently, were one of the teams that made an offer before Ertz went on IR. Um, there's going to be a couple of pretty talented tight ends that'll. They'll get moved here in the next five days, Evo, as well. The, the, the kid in Cleveland, a former first-round pick from Miami, David Njoku, I, I think he's going to be on the move. He wants to get out of there. He's a 4-6 guy who could stretch the field. I mean, there, there's going to be some options for them. And the question is, will Brian Gutekunst go all in? Yeah. And, and I think right now the fan base, would, would, who was beat up on Ted Thompson for more than a decade and, and yelled and screamed and cried and said, why doesn't Ted ever go all in? And, and I think the average fan evil well, that's just go really all in, and then the next year you're 500 or whatever. I, I think they can look at that if um, you know if if you give your team a legitimate chance to go win a championship right now. And I think that's kind of where the Packers are. Rogers turns 37 in a month. Um, he, he's only going to be around this year and next year. I, I would certainly think evil that uh, your, your window there is very very small. And if you have a chance to go for it, you go for it. And and I think the Heat's on Brian Gutekunst to go and do that evil. All right, Robbie, before I let you go, man, uh, we, you know, talking about Titletown, something that will never be confused with Titletown is the Minnesota Vikings. They are coming to Lambeau Field, i.e. Titletown. What do you see happening Sunday uh, against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings? I think a game pretty similar to week one, honestly, but with that one like 33-21, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Maybe it was, a little, maybe it was even a little more lopsided than that. Um, I, I think a two-score win. Minnesota is still playing really hard. I mean, I'll give, Mike Zimmer, I'll give him credit. He, I do think he's one of the you know 12 or 14 best coaches in football. I, I have a lot of respect for him. They're rebuilding on the fly. They're, they're trying to reload that defense. They gave away their number one wide receiver this year. They picked up a kid that was going to go to several Pro Bowls in, in Jefferson. They're a kid who I like he's a, a lot. He, he's going to be terrific. Yeah, I, I'm not sure Green Bay's going to have a matchup for him if if Jair Alexander travels with with Thielen come come Sunday, Ebo, and then they've got to go Josh Jackson, perhaps, uh, um, you know, on lining up with, with Jefferson or whoever the slot guy is, maybe Sullivan. Um, no, I, I I think it's going to be real similar no matter who plays for Green Bay. I I, I think Minnesota secondary is still a mess, Ebo. They have nobody up front right now who can get to the quarterback. That they used to be such a dominant defensive line. Most of those guys are gone. Um, I'm going to say. 37-24 Packers. Evil. I, I think it's Love a pretty it. comfortable win. While you know maybe they're up at half already. You know, 24-7, 24-10, and, and they kind of cruise home from there. I, I think they're in control. I think they run the ball just fine. And, and Rodgers and Adams probably have another big game because I just I don't see a lot 
uh, on the Minnesota side to take Adams away. Now, uh, like I said, a week from now, San Francisco is going to take Adams away. Yeah, Robbie, I would love to ramble on all day with you, but we got to hit this commercial break, man, and let you get back to writing your awesome stuff at Forbes.com. All right, my friend? All right, buddy. Uh, you enjoy the weekend. <laughs> Sadly, we won't see Grammar. Hey, on, Muscat. Oh, wait, never mind. Yeah, you, you enjoy the weekend too, Robbie, all right? All right, see you, buddy. See you, buddy. There he is, Rob Reichel. Follow him on Twitter at Rob Reichel, Forbes.com as well. So, Robbie talking there sees a nice little uh, comfortable win for the Packers. Sunday against the Vikings. We're going to dive heavy into it tomorrow, uh, obviously, because tomorrow is Football Friday. But, Rowdy, what's, uh, what's your gut telling you right away for uh, the Sunday matchup in Lambeau against the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins? I'm with Rob. I think this is going to be another higher-scoring game, and I just don't think that that Minnesota Minnesota offense can keep up with the Packers' offense. Yeah. I mean, look at the secondary. I believe they just put uh, Dantzler on the IR one of their young corners, Cam. Yep. And, I mean, they already got rid of, wasn't it, their top three corners going into this season? They're very young back there, too. Yeah, they're kind of getting And now you're, already, now you're already having injuries to that young cornerback uh, rotation and probably the best young one you put on the IR. I feel like, especially with the healthy Devontae Adams now, we just saw what Devontae Adams did last week. Mm-mm-mm. I think it's going to be a lot okay. of more of the same. Do you think that, all right, so he's always been tabbed this until we saw it earlier in the season, week one, when the Packers, the Packers throttled the Vikings 43-34. to It was all garbage time for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings in the fourth quarter. Uh, Kirk and company scored 24 points in the fourth quarter, zero in the third, three in the second, and seven in the first. The Packers... It was a comfortable victory for the Packers. Mike Zimmer, though, has always been tabbed as, quote, a Rodgers stopper. Do you buy into that sentiment? Because um, after the start of the season, I do not anymore. I mean, not recently, right? No. I mean, he's done it in the past, but not with this. I'll say this. Going into this year, probably from 2019 to from about 2014, I think you could easily argue that the Minnesota Vikings had a better roster overall than the Green Bay Packers did from top to bottom, except they were missing one thing. They didn't have prime Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. That's it. Minnesota yeah. always seemed to have the deeper roster when it came to receivers. They had when a Rodgers that was injured. Running backs when it came to defense. They just never had a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Rodgers who, when you talk about on the Las Vegas and gambling, he's probably the most valuable quarterback of all time when it comes to lines and spreads in Vegas. He was getting, back when he was injured the first time, it was like between 9 and 10 points. 9 and 10 points. Rodgers is the biggest influence of a line. Yeah, 9 and 10 points back in his prime. Yeah. uh, You'll take out guys like, you know, before this year, everyone thought, you know, Ezekiel Elliott was a top five running back, no doubt. Yeah. If he leaves the game, it's like maybe one point. Aaron oh. Rodgers was worth nine or ten. Rowdy, we have um you got the action zone upcoming. Speaking of gambling lines, our guy Reader on Twitch says that Christian McCaffrey is officially out for tonight. So officially out. No more free roll. We got the action zone coming up momentarily. 
about we were talking about Rodgers affecting a line. Is is Mike Zimmer also a Rodgers stopper? Well, guess what? I have comments from Aaron Rodgers talking about Zimmer. Yeah, I mean, experience is the ultimate teacher, and it definitely uh, shows on the tape. You know, those guys getting more opportunities, especially Gladney, you know, didn't play a ton in our first game. They're both really talented guys. You know, they, they picked three guys in the draft. All three of them are playing extensive time for him now. So it, it does help having those two uh, older safeties, especially Harrison. I guess he's kind of talking about the defensive setup there for uh, Zimmer and the Roger stopper that he is, quote unquote. Uh, but when I mean, it, outside of Harrison Smith, though, who scares you in that secondary? No one. And they're already trading Hopefully away. Nobody. They're already trading away guys on that front defensive line. You know who scares me more? It's not the it's not the it's not when the Packers are on offense going against the Vikings defense. It's the Vikings offense. And Rob brought it up. It's Justin Jefferson. That guy is a beast. I know he's a rookie. Uh, they're tabbing him to do something, uh, have a similar season as Randy Moss. He's been putting up some numbers, but his unfortunate downfall is he's got a quarterback named Kirk Cousins. Yeah, who's tied for the lead with most interceptions. Yeah, ten of this them, season. right? With him and Wenswagen. Um, let's see. So we were talking with Rob too, real quick before we hit the break and go to the action zone and um, you know talk some gambling. I think does does the news of Christian McCaffrey does it does it affect this? What's the line? Oh, Christian McCaffrey? Yeah. Or was it already a Christian was McCaffrey, already built in? Yeah, I would imagine they were already expecting him to be out. What's the line? I would imagine Carolina would have been favored by more than currently one and a half yeah. if Christian McCaffrey was going to play. Uh, Papa Pick on Twitch also says uh, Delvin Cook scares me almost as much as Adrian Peterson used to. Delvin Cook's a good running back. He is, but he's also been banged up, and so is the backup Alexander Madison. AP was just a freak of nature. Delvin Cook is a freak. Delvin Cook is like up there, but AP was just... He was that he was that dude. All right, so we were talking with Rob real quick, Rowdy, about the upcoming trade deadline and if the Packers will do something. I think if you were to ask the Packers right now behind closed doors and you're like, yo, you're in the circle of trust, you know, you can you can tell us anything, Brian. Gutekunst, that is. Are you kicking yourself in your own ass for not drafting a wide receiver? Uh, if you're not, you should be. I think they're looking at the at their their own evaluations of the wide receiver position right now and being like, oof. We kind of screwed up there. Do you think? Look at all the talent in that draft. What was the thing that we all knew going into it? Deepest, deepest wide receiver draft of all time. There's 37 prospects that have draftable talent. That's the most wide receivers ever. And what do they do? Well, what have we seen? What have we seen from all those guys this year? They've been balling. A lot of them have been balling, and not not only that, a lot of lower draft picks, like in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, they've also played well. Yeah. Now, uh, Alan Lazard. Look at, look, look at some of the guys that they could have gotten. I know Brandon Ayuk was one that they had their eye on. Justin Jefferson They've was one that they balling. had their eye on. Jefferson was they, killing it. They were obviously selected a little bit before where the Packers drafted. But think about never trading up for Jordan Love, and you just sit there. Yeah, you just sit. You could have Chase had- Claypool was a second round pick. You could have. You could have had a. Uh, uh- I wouldn't say a game changer, but a guy that would produce would be producing, unlike the likes of, I don't know, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, Darius Shepard. I mean, insert name here of some random guy um, that seems like it's off a scrap heap. But do you think, real quick, give me like just a five second answer. Do you think that the Packers will go out and get a wide receiver before the trade deadline? No. I also do not think they will. I mean, just, just think about all the receivers that they could have drafted. If they would have stayed where they were, they still would have had that fourth-round pick. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, well, he's now injured. 
Lavisca Chenault. Yeah, Chenault. I just he's saw played Chenault pretty well for pretty the well Jaguars. For I mean, you go right down the list. KJ Hamler's been a little dinged up, but Chase Claypool was the 49th pick. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, there's a ton of talent that was around even when they still didn't have their guys so, in Ayuk and Jefferson. Real quick, the reason why I bring this up is because remember going into the draft, Aaron Rodgers made many comments. I forget. I think it was maybe AJ Hawk's podcast or whatever. He was on some or Joe. I forget what podcast he was on, but he was talking about how he was very surprised after the draft that they didn't get. Well, first he said he wanted a skill position, like a wide receiver, and then afterwards he was surprised they didn't get one. So with the trade deadline looming, here is Rodgers on if he keeps track of any potential moves. Obviously, I did not hear you guys are talking about it. We got the network on, and we got uh, that other you know channel on, uh, you know, all the time in the cafeteria. So looking at it, you're uh, hearing it. Guys are talking about it, but uh, see it when we see. It. So obviously, there you go. I mean, he admits he's paying attention, and I don't see how you couldn't yeah, be why paying attention. He be? I don't see how you couldn't be. You know, if I was I Aaron Rodgers, gonna do anything. If I was Aaron Rodgers, I think I'd come out and say, "You know what? I really love the wide receiver room. I think we have exactly what we want." Just because we know Brian Gutekunst and Matt Lafleur do the opposite, so maybe they'd bring in a wide receiver. Oh, you're doing reverse psychology. Hundred percent. Reverse Aaron Rodgers. I well, know you're listening because we have millions of people listening. Rowdy, reverse psychology. Well, I mean, every time Aaron Rodgers in the last couple of years has come out and said, "I think we should do this on the offense or do that," they they've the done the exact opposite. <laughs> Welcome in. Not that saying you're bad, Zach. You're a beacon of hope in my dark and dreary life, like the light shines down upon me. We start with the negative and then end with the good, so I'll save the good at the end. But I just I, I just find it hilarious that you are now resigned, considering what has happened to your precious Mike McCarthy down in Dallas, to his old clips from Green Bay. Like, you're listening to him during the break. Like, that's all you have left because of the disaster that is Mike McCarthy in Dallas. Does he make it? Yes, he does. Past one year here? He, he does. Ooh, I don't know about that. Not here, but down in Dallas. But yes, I am literally hanging, grasping onto one little thread oh. left as <laughs> is as about to be cut. Listening to old clips about trade deadlines. Yeah, about Big Mike. We'll play it coming up. We'll oh play it coming goodness. up, Zach. Um, it so, has gotten bad. You know, speaking of getting bad, it has gotten very bad. We've gotten a lot of... It's been bad. We've gotten a lot of threats in the Mike McCarthy fan club lately. All right, so Zach... <laughs> not directed at us, but directed at Big Mike. Sure. All right, so Zach, speaking of bad... Saturday, um, the bad news came out yesterday. We were kind of sitting on it because we knew it was inevitable. I was trying to be, to quote Mike McCarthy, the... I'm full of hope. I'm, I'm the captain of hope. So yeah. The captain of hope, of holding out hope that we were going to have a game, but there didn't is want, no game. Didn't want to have a polluted mindset. Nope. Yeah, I did not want to have a polluted mindset, but here we are. Yeah. What happened? Well, unfortunately, Wisconsin's not playing on Saturday because Barry Alvarez and Chancellor Rebecca Blank along with the Big Ten, decided that uh, 12 positive cases since Friday was too much to play, despite the fact that they didn't actually reach the Big Ten threshold for an, an automatic shutdown. I thought they, they, I thought it was over 5% of your roster. So it's, They did not. It, it was orange-red. They, they, oh, they, okay. they met one threshold, but not both of them. If you meet one of them, you don't have to shut down. So, so they did not have to shut down the facilities. No. They did no. to get ahead of it. Correct. Yep. yep. Okay. So they so, did to get ahead of so it. So, like orange red, you have the option in there of saying, uh, you know, considering whether or not it's still viable to play games. Mm-hmm. They decided it was still it was not viable to continue to play games. So the thresholds are five percent or more of your roster, and then seven and a half percent more of your community. Yeah, your team community. Your team. So would that be? Was that Dane? Do you know if it's Dane County? If it's no, it's uh, the team. The team. Oh, the, the, the team. team. Okay, so, like, so that's so like staff players. And, players is one part of it. Gotcha. And then everybody else, staff wide and everything like so that. So they were technically then in the orange. Correct. And they made the orange, call to shut orange it down. and red. One one was a, above the gotcha. threshold. 
and Juan Watson. So now when you look at this, there are six staff members and six players. Yes, uh, that's as of yesterday. Well, you're right. That was as of, I mean, from Friday to that point, as of yesterday, they were still pending tests waiting, and they had another positive that happened last Wednesday, I believe, is is, uh, is also. So, so we know for a fact Graham Mertz is one of them. Graham Mertz is one of them. Chase Wolf is one of them. Is one of them. He Has the results came back for the PCR test? Yeah. And that's confirmed for Chase Wolf. Okay. And then we know for a fact that Paul Christ is one of them because he Correct. S- said he was. Yeah. Do we know who anyone else is? There are plenty of rumors out there, but nothing. Well, but we're not going to. Sp- nothing that's been confirmed. So once you're off air, then we can speculate. Sure. <laughs> All right. So and we can and, and we can talk about it off air if you'd like. I'd be yeah. more than happy to tell you who I've heard, but I I won't put you in a, yeah. in a uh, I won't put you in a compromising position there. Yeah. So Zach, when it comes to the Wisconsin Badgers, though the the coaches that tested positive for it, they only have to sit ten days, correct? They have to sit ten days, which depending on what day they tested positive, uh, could be meaning they could be back in the building next Friday uh, or Saturday. And if you are a player, you said tw- you have to sit twenty one days. It's currently twenty one days. And I, a little birdie, dropped off an interesting Sports Illustrated article for me that cardiologist, a part of this medical journal that's been around for 132 years, I think it is, that's very well respected, peer-reviewed, they are now saying that they're finding hardly anyone, it's anyone at all, less than 1% of college athletes with this heart condition, uh, myocarditis. And the cardiologists are recommending, according to this article and this peer-reviewed journal, that they should reevaluate the 21 days for the Big Ten. And that's something that and, and the author actually talked to Barry Alvarez yesterday and informed him of this, which is just a horrible, horrible look for the Big Ten. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The guy from Sports Illustrated informed the Don Barry Alvarez about yes, this? Yes, which is a horrible look for, oh horrible, horrible look for the Big Ten that, it, that, uh, the, that this is stuff that, that is being told to them as opposed to you know them being in the front. That's bad. Being out front and, and knowing this information. But either way, no matter what, um, Barry Alvarez did say it's something that they should look at, uh, and I I think we all agree, right? I mean, if, if, well, if, if, if the science, right? But if the science isn't backing it up, like originally, they were concerned about it because they had found it in certain places, and so they followed the science, which it's ever changing, right? You, you, and you got to err on co- the side of caution. In, in COVID, yeah, there's some people that were erring on the side of caution, and there were some that weren't. The other, the ones that weren't, were you know, obviously, obviously like the ACC, no, the ACC and the Big Twelve and the SEC. They their doctors were saying no that the the science doesn't show what what the Big Ten doctors were saying and they were just going more conservative with it and I think they went more conservative with it because they could actually get the presidents and chancellors on board to vote yes to bring it back like yeah. they were willing to do absolutely anything to get football back even if it was this twenty one day thing for players to test positive now not, going into this you never thought your players were going to be the ones that test positive right, right. it's never going to affect us it's never going to happen to me it's never going to happen here. Well, you know what? It, it did. did. And now uh, Wisconsin fans are finding out that it's uh, it's not ideal at 21 I think, days. I think the most curious part about all of that is that the Big Ten doesn't even say anything to the likes of Barry Alvarez, and it's got to be a reporter from Sports Illustrated. That's the thing that's the most curious to me. Yeah. And, they, and, and, and here's the thing. Maybe maybe uh, there's different committees within the Big Ten athletic directors. So sure. maybe, maybe there are conversations going, and Barry may not be on that thing, but they talk on a daily basis. They have a daily co- uh, conference call, Big Ten athletic directors do. So – you would think if it was being mentioned somewhere, it would have made its way to Barry Alvarez as well before the author of the article had to had to tell. Him. Pretty crazy. Um, Zach Heilbrunner, sports director, join us. Yeah. So I'll say it's possible. Yeah. This, okay. Yeah. It's, it is. It's possible that this starts a process, and maybe we'll see Graham Mertz against Purdue. Purdue. 
I think it's probably unlikely. I think it's unlikely as well. But I think the, the here's I, the good thing. I think they've dug their heels into the uh, sand. The sliver of hope here, or the sliver of good news here, is that Graham Mertz can play against Michigan. Yes. Okay. Yes. Assuming, assuming they are back and ready to go. The first positive test came Saturday. Came Saturday, and that's the timeline they go by. That's so Graham twenty one day starts that Saturday. Day twenty two would be Saturday. And, and the other silver lining here is if if they're still going with this twenty one days, and the uh, cardiologist comes in and gives Graham Mertz the all clear, and he's showing no signs and symptoms of COVID nineteen, he's negative, and his heart's clear, which it sounds like according to this Journal of, of American Medical Association. 132 years in, in doing this thing, held in high esteem. If they do changes, I don't see it changing. But if Graham Mertz, it's all clear from the cardiologist, he can start acclimating back to playing shape right. and, and practicing per se. The practice thing is a little bit uncertain, um, but they can start ramping up, right? They can start, he can get out of bike, and then he can get into running, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, uh, you would think eventually be able to, to get back to the point where he's able to take practice. But he is going to be able to t- you. All these guys that are that are, you know, not able to play right now will be able to be in Zoom meetings because they're going to be doing that stuff well, this week, like right. like the off season, right? If that, and and that was very very helpful. Obviously, you need to get I mean, on look the what field. Mertz did. It was really helpful. You need to get on the field, but those are those those will be able to help you in the prep aspect of it, especially if they're going to try and play against Purdue. All right. So speaking of on the field, obviously there's no game this weekend, which is a bummer for all of us, but we get it. It's you know they they have to cover their bases. You can't be having lawsuits on your hand over all this stuff. We get it. No game Saturday. But next Saturday is Purdue. Wisconsin has their facilities closed until Wednesday at the, the earliest, earliest. Yeah, the earliest to get open up is Wednesday. So that would give, what, three days to to prepare on the field for yeah, Purdue? Yeah, and really Friday is essentially a walkthrough. So, I mean, usually they practice Monday, practice Tuesday, practice Wednesday, practice Thursday, and then it's usually mm-hmm. uh, a walkthrough on Friday. So, you know, it's... It's not a lot of time to get ready, but a lot of that can be done inside. You know, the prep can be done on Zoom meetings and that type of stuff. But you do need to get out on the field, and they would have that opportunity those three days before the game. And you appreciate that opportunity. Zach Halpern. You appreciate the opportunity to have the opportunity. Definitely. And I love the opportunity and appreciate of you being in here to talk about the opportunities presented to themselves on the field. Yeah. So, Zach, speaking more on the field, something we were talking about, our, our sports director, Zach Halpern, joining us right now. Zach, when it comes to Danny Vandenboom, Right now, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything about Vandenboom being, you know, afflicted with the Rona. Correct? You've not heard anything. Correct. So Danny Vandenboom is going to be potentially trotting out there against Purdue As on a- three days of prep. Are does that make? We talked about this, Nelson and I earlier. Are we nervous about that? Are you nervous about it, Nelson? No, no, because I saw what they did two years ago with Jack Cohn where they didn't really open up the playbook and basically just handed it to Jonathan Taylor like a hundred times and still won. Well, I mean, we don't have Jonathan Taylor. Purdue. Right, but the first start of Jack Cohn's career was not against Purdue. No, I know. Who was it against? Northwestern. How'd that go? Oof, not well. We don't don't like to think about that. We're not talking about Northwestern. We're talking about Purdue. (laughs) Right, right, yeah. A, A Purdue team that, you know, did pretty well against Iowa this past week. You know, right? They beat so him. They did. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah, it's a huge challenge. There's no doubt about it. He, he's not just he's not Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn was the backup that year. Well, there's right? a reason why he's the fourth string, right? Danny That's what Danny I'm saying. Like he he's not the backup. He's not the backup to the backup. He's the backup to the backup to the backup. Yeah, that 
and look, he's a winner. We talked about it on, on whatever day it was. He's 28 no. He's 28 no. It's never lost Last a starting. Last time he was a starter. Yeah, he's the Wisconsin State Gatorade Player of the Year. Habitual winner. The highest quarterback rating in Wisconsin history by a quarterback. 444.6 or something 455.2. Like Even better. Yeah, so he's got all that going for him. But the golden arm. I think the biggest concern is, does Wisconsin have a running game? That's a Zach. You are you are such a smart individual. You are very highly intelligent because that was my next question for yeah, you. Right? Do they well freaking done, so, Heilprin? So when, you, so when we point to Jonathan Taylor, you're a two, smart guy. Two years ago, they don't have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield to hand the ball off to right now, and so that would be my biggest concern. They have Garrett Groshak. They do, and Nikia he's definitely he was definitely the best running back in that group on Friday. Can we night. have Nakia Watson he sit was. down and watch Avengers? Is that, and, and I, as much as I like Garrett Groshek, and I think he's a very nice player, is that a good thing that he was the best player on the field or at that group? Well, he's got okay. experience. So if, if so, we're talking about everyone gets a red shirt this year. Do you think you'll see people like Julius Davis or Jalen Berger getting carries sometime this season, just because I, it's like a free roll? I will be surprised if Julius Davis sees a carry this year. What about Berger? Berger, at this point, based on what I saw on Friday night, where he was not involved, so like. We, we, did we talk about this Monday? No. During the game, like usually all the offensive players. Well, we might have. I have a bad short term memory. That are involved. I don't remember this. So. All, uh, usually, when all, all the offensive players were involved, when they would come over and huddle on the sideline, all the players that are involved would go in and just, you know, be around the group. When that was happening, Jalen Berger was on the other end of the field with the, or the other end of the bench with the rest of the right, uh, true freshmen that were not going to play. What? He was not involved whatsoever, did not even come out for early warm-ups with the rest of the running backs. He was there with when, once the running backs came suited? out. He was suited up, but he was not involved whatsoever. So Weird. the fact that, is there a chance that we'll get to see him at some point? Perhaps. You, you, would, you, would, you would hope so, but that did not give me a lot so of confidence. So as a, as a, being from the public, we see that he is a four-star. He was a big-time recruit. He comes yeah. into Wisconsin, and then we see the videos that, People like you posted yep. about the spin move, breaking Oof. a tackle. That was sweet, looking, wasn't it? Looking really good. Great video, That's Zach. all we know about him. Yeah. We're not at practice every day. Neither am I. You aren't necessarily I'm, seeing where no, he's at on the field. I haven't been at practice once. The co- our comrades down there don't let the, the reporters come yeah. in anymore. Okay. We weren't in the, the stadium, stadium to right. see where he's lining up, what he's doing. Yeah. We're just seeing Graham Mertz on TV throwing the ball like 50 yards for touchdowns. Right. And, that's why, and that was one of the few benefits of actually going to Camp Randall is being able to see kind of – the sideline and seeing seeing what's happened there and, and Jalen Berger status I don't know maybe he'll maybe he'll get time at some point but that was not a uh, very so <laughs> that's encur- crazy it was not a very but, encouraging well, look and I think of all years to try wow. this would be the year to try a freshman like that especially when you have three guys where Garrett Groshak was the best but pretty much his whole career he's been a third down back and then you have two guys in Garendo and Watson that looked like three yards and done. And why not try a kid? I mean, what are you going to lose, especially if you're down to your fourth quarterback, you're playing a team like Purdue, maybe a carry here and there and see what happens. Because everyone has a yeah. – this year doesn't count towards right. eligibility. If, if, he's, if he's ready, yeah, right? It's, I would suggest based on what we saw or what I saw on Friday night, he's not ready. So you can't just throw him out there if he's not ready. No, you can't. Um, well, because then you're jeopardizing how, him how and many, your team. How many true freshmen – Running backs have come in and, and, and really lit it up at Wisconsin. There's Jonathan obviously Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, James PJ, White, PJ Hill. PJ Hill was a redshirt freshman. James White, James White, and and uh, that's that's essentially it. Uh, Monte Ball got some carries as a true freshman in 2009. I think he had like 500 yards. Melvin Gordon was a redshirt. Melvin Gordon was a redshirt freshman. 
Um, so yeah, Corey, Corey Clement was like the third back there in 2013, so his, but he didn't. John Clay was a red shirt. John Clay was a red so shirt. So his history of is he's not going to be seeing much time then, if any at all. Paul Chris not going to put him on the field. Joe Rudolph's not going to put him on the yeah, field. If he's not he's, ready. If he's not ready. And just, again, maybe I'm reading way too much into how he looked on the sideline and his involvement well, in the game Well, how can you not but, read into that? But if he's not even there, like, yeah. in the huddle whatsoever, like even being around the offense. If you're an huddle, outcast of the huddle, what, why, why are they going to use you? And it wasn't. He wasn't alone. Like he wasn't like off by yeah. himself. There was a couple of other red, or true freshmen that weren't going to see the field. Like Isaac Smith, a wide receiver, was he was with him the entire time. And every time you know, the play would move from one side of the field to the other. He would walk to the other side of the field, walk to the other end. It's so yeah, just, he's not going to be involved. He, he was not going to be involved Friday night. Okay, Nakia Watson and uh, Isaac Garendo. Nik- now, now if they get a huge COVID hit, then he might be involved. It might be involved. Anthony Davis was the other one. That AD, I had to check. A redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman. All right, so... Um, was was very good, though, against Oregon that year. Look at that memory. Love AD. There. Our, our sports director's got the, just a steel trap of a memory. Love AD. All right, Zach. So I was going to say, I hope that Nakia uh, Watson's favorite superhero from Avengers would be Vision, because he didn't seem to really have much of it, so maybe he could readjust to his favorite superhero. Is. What was When you look at uh, Garendo and Watson, what was their biggest flaws in their game against Illinois? Well, I think a little bit of it was, has to be the offensive line, right? Yeah. Because you're starting three new guys on the inside. Not even new guys. Three guys starting at new positions on the inside. Guys that have experience, but not necessarily at those positions. And we saw, you know, quite a few plays that were stopped in the backfield for no gain or, or a loss. And that, to me, is on the offensive line. But it's the lack of big runs. Like Isaac Grendel's biggest run was his last run, 13 yards. Unfortunately, he came up a little gimpy after that one. Well, he came a, in a little hamstring. banged up, didn't he? He did. Nikia Watson, I think the biggest, his biggest issue. You, you know, you can say vision if you want to. But I think it's the inability to break the big run. He had a couple of opportunities to to break tackles and you know go off, and he just couldn't break them. Well, should we be concerned about it, or should we be like, yo, did you see what the quarterback was doing? It was the Graham Mertz show. And I think the Graham Mertz show had a lot to do with the fact that Illinois was not going to let you beat him running, and that's happened in three of the five games that Lovey Smith was a part of. He held him under four yards of carry in three of the five times they played, and two of those games included Jonathan Taylor. So it wasn't just, you know, we can't just – Say it's the running backs, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it to be something to be concerned about? Maybe. Well, I think you got to be concerned about it just because of what you saw to a degree, and then you throw in the fact that the facilities are shut down for seven days. I think the biggest concern is the fact that you don't have Graham Mertz and you don't have Chase Wolf and you don't have Jack Cohn. Agreed. That makes the, the that probably lifts the level of concern about the running game. Uh, maybe four or five steps. A lot up higher. A bit. Yeah, definitely. especially because no matter what team you are, no matter what level you play at, whether it's Pee Wee or the NFL, if you're down to your fourth string quarterback, there's a huge gap between one. Well, two, the Pee Wee kid's going to be eating grass. I hope that uh, Vandenboom's not out there sitting down on his ass eating grass. He's capable and he knows the offense. I think that is obviously the most important been thing. There like, a, usually, a while. usually, like your fourth string quarterback's like a. A walk-on freshman walk-on. He hasn't done anything whatsoever. Danny Vandenboom's been there. He's yeah. and he's really, really successful in high school. So it's not like he's going to be so overwhelmed that he can't run the offense and, and get them into the right plays and that type of stuff. It's just the fact that you don't really aren't expecting a ton of him. He's throwing, a he's a habitual winner. Twenty-eight no, twenty-eight no is a starter. Two back-to-back state titles. Gatorade Player of the Year. Quarterback award. You name it. This dude's a winner. He's a winner. Um, <laughs> well. <laughs> This I would say Purdue would be a perfect opportunity for the run game to be like, yo, listen, we are Wisconsin Badgers. We're going to carry the torch because you're going to have Vandenboom. I did see, though, if we have to turn to Daniel Wright, which would be concerning, I saw your tweet about it, though. 6'8". 
Yeah, he's like Brock Osweiler out there. I hope he would turn into Brock Osweiler because I mean to be pro. When it comes, though, to quarterbacks, I, t- to end on a uh, funny note, Dimitri Trice threw his hat in the ring. Dimitri Trice threw his hat in the ring. I think Brad Davison threw his hat in the ring. We called this stuff, didn't we? They have Johnny Davis. or Is it, uh, is it Johnny? Or is I think it, it was Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis. I think he's the one that played quarterback yeah. Yeah, at lacrosse. Yeah. So they've got, they've got some options there. But they also have some options on the rest of the team, too. Yeah, uh, Groshek, for example. Groshek. But we need someone to still run the ball. What? Triple option? Just go barge. Go barge. Remember the barge formation where they put like 8 million guys, uh, all like 300 pounds in the game? They did oh. that against Nebraska with James White as the... Um, Could you do that and like hike the ball and then just circle around the running back? Like a, it's a possibility. A giant circle yeah. and he just... Six, yeah. six feet, obviously. We, we go and back, then you trot to the end zone? We go back to the nineteen early 1900s with that stuff. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Sure. All right, Zach, before I let you go, uh, speaking of Dimitri Trice, yeah. <laughs> just, it's like the flying V and the Mighty Ducks, except in the in the back, then you right. have... And right after we call that play, we'll also, when they're kicking their PAT, we'll you know, be on hands and shoulders and on everyone's backs. Yeah. We'll also go to block it. Yeah. yeah. We'll bring and, back the 1900s. And, and, and leather, can you do and, that stuff? And leather helmets as well. Hey, uh, no helmets. Hey, no. I bet you that would cut down on CTE because people wouldn't want to be flying with helmet on helmet on each other. Ooh, I don't know about that. There's, oh yeah, we'll see. All right, it another, doesn't matter. Another day, doesn't matter. Another day. Before I let you go, Zach, uh, Wisconsin basketball, November twenty fifth. Allegedly. Allegedly, I'm, my fingers are crossed. I don't want another nut continuum to happen here because it's been happening a lot this week with Mertz and then you know the football game. Uh, canceled, but we do have a little piece of the puzzle. As I was reading your article on MadCitySportsZone.com, Marquette, Marquette, the they, Golden Eagles. They're going to be playing Wisconsin. It is scheduled to be played. As I tweeted that out, and I got a whole bunch of people. Yeah, we'll see. Because the game, you know, who's who knows if it's actually going to be played. But it's set for December fourth. Now Marquette released the first ten games of their schedule. Only the first 10 games of their schedule, and it includes Wisconsin on December 4th at Pfizer Forum. I got a question real quick about the basketball. Okay. About so the basketball. Do they, have, do they have to abide by the same Big Ten policies for football where it's 5% of your roster and 21 days to sit out potentially? I think they're working on those right now. Just because that'd be like I, one I think they're guy. working on everything. I don't, think, I don't think that they've come out with that yet. Um, they're still working, I think, on protocols and that type of stuff. They are now t- They are testing, though. The testing is going to be very similar to what it is for football, where you're in there every day. And it's a, obviously a much smaller team. To well, yeah, because if you get an outbreak, you're done. Well, just one guy on 15-player team, you're done. Yeah, so I think they're, they're going to try and do it. And I, I know the Big East is talking about potentially doing a bubble for conference play. So The bubble up for... Uh, yeah. Which, hey, if you want hey, to get, I mean, get it in, you're going to get it in. And March Madness, I... Would almost. They're going to bubble I, I up. I bet right now it's going to be on a bubble. They'll bubble up. The, I, think I think they've already copyrighted or, or trademarked they the have. name. They've already tra- they've a ton of them. What like was battle, battle in the bubble. bubble. Battle in the bubble. Battle yeah. in the bubble. That's that, they have like four trademarks. They right desperately now. need that to happen. Oh money, yeah, money wise. You can't lose so two back to back March it's, Madness. It's going to happen no matter what. It'll just be a little bit different. But hey, if we get March Madness, I don't really. Yeah. Well, right now we're living in a Green Day singing about a boulevard of broken dreams with no game on Saturday. Zach. Hey, but you got to see Graham Mertz, all right? Mertz Mania, running wild, then the nut kick continuum kicked us right in the goodies. And Golden Graham. Mertz Mania, or you were going Golden Graham? I'm a Graham? Golden Graham guy. I like it. Yeah. Zach, we appreciate <laughs> your time, man. Yeah. Thanks so much. There's our sports director, Zach Halpern. We were talking off air about the no pad league that we've been seeing on uh, the old boob tube. These guys are flying around, Nelson, playing football without any helmets or anything. These guys are like, they don't give a crap about anything. They are just, you remember the segment, you got jacked up in the NFL? I mean, back when... When you could hit someone hard? Yeah. Imagine that, but with no pads. Imagine every jacked up segment 
you got jacked up, but with no pads. That's what these guys are doing in the no pad league. I mean, it sounds like what we did outside in the yard when we were like what eight to fourteen years old. Yeah, except you guys weren't benching four hundred pounds. <laughs> Only 300. <laughs> you guys are benching curling Capri Suns and uh, Rice Krispie bars. All right, 608-321-1670. Twitter is at Zone Madison. So, yeah, um, you know, we brought up – that was a really good segment with Zach breaking it down there. I don't think – by the sounds of it, we're not going to see Jalen Berger if he's li- – I don't well, think you don't give him a shot, the, though. Well, if he's not ready, would you give him a shot? The only way you give him a shot, I guess, is if they're the, the running back room all of a sudden got a COVID outbreak. Because um, if he's not even in the huddle during the game, that's not it, a good sign. If I saw some of the plays that he made in practice where we yeah, know they he were can pretty do sick. that, I say, hey, Jalen, come over here. All right, we're running a 24 lead. <laughs> you, you put the the arm, the elbow up that's going to be closest to the running back or the quarterback. You take that football and you run between the guard and the tackle. And you find the hole. You hit the hole. Go. Hit the hole and go, baby. Let's see what you can do. Hit the hole. I mean, it doesn't. No. It doesn't have to be that confusing. Um, no, it really doesn't. Speaking of the running game, <laughs> and then we're not saying he needs to play a whole game. Just want to see some carries here and there. See right. what he's got. All right. So the game's not going to happen. It's a no contest on Saturday. But let's just play. Let's just do a simulation here. What do you think was going to happen uh, down in Lincoln for Wisconsin taking on the Cornhuskers? What do you? Do you I mean, I was comfortable with Wisconsin win if there what was. What do no, I think was going to happen? Cole, if Graham Mertz was playing. If Graham Mertz was playing from what we saw with Illinois, take it for granted it was Illinois. I still I think Nebraska's better than what they were. But that don't was, forget that was I watched that game. That was a much closer game than what that final score don't said. Don't forget though, all the sec- a bunch of the guys in the Nebraska secondary were gonna be out for at yep, least a half. Yep. That was a much closer game than what that final score was against Ohio State. Obviously, I think Nebraska's a little bit better than Illinois. I still think the Badgers win, Same. especially if Mertz plays well by at least probably twenty points. Yeah, I think they steamroll them. And you know what? If Grammers were to play, or I'm sorry, if Grammers weren't to play, and it was Danny Vandenboom getting the nod because Chase Wolf obviously with the Rona, I would. Would you have loved? And this is a rhetorical question, Rowdy. But would you have loved to have seen? Oh, I don't know. The likes of what we saw when Wisconsin in 2012 played against the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and every single Badger running back ran for like 3,000 yards. I just don't know if that's possible with this roster, to be <laughs> completely that honest. Game? Remember that game? Uh, let's see here. Melvin Gordon. I can't believe this. I mean, I can because I saw it, but I can't. Nine carries for 216 yards and a touchdown. Monte Ball, 21 carries, 202 yards and three touchdowns. James White, 15 carries, 109 yards and four touchdowns. And then you got to throw in Kenzel Doe with one carry for 12 yards and Kurt Phillips had two carries for three yards. And that's pretty good for Kurt Phillips. <laughs> it's very good for Kurt Phillips. D- didn't the guy have like seven knee surgeries? He did. Well, he, he didn't really even have any had, knees left. He had one run for zero yards and the other one for three yards because his long was a three-yard run and he had three yards on two carries. Kenzel Doe, one for 12. I, the Melvin Gordon one is awesome. Nine carries, 216 yards. What's more impressive? Well, I mean, look at what he did against them not too long after that. What's more impressive, right? The record until it was broken, like the, the week day, later uh, yeah, by Samaje P. Ryan of Oklahoma. Tiss, tiss, tiss. Melvin Gordon. What's more impressive? Melvin Gordon nine carries for two hundred sixteen yards, or James White fifteen carries for four touchdowns. I'm gonna go with the Melvin Gordon all day. Two hundred. Just because I mean, yards, his longest was si- James White had the long run of sixty eight yards though. James White could be impressive, but you could always be like the goal line back and get four touchdowns. That's very true. Melvin Gordon just, I mean, nine carries, running absolutely wild. That was the 2012 championship game, looking at the box score. 
if 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 anything remotely close were even to happen to like that. Yeah, but again, let's let's talk about the names here. Melvin Gordon, James White, Monte, Monte Ball. Ball. Those were three guys You're that played. Gonna... Those were three guys that played in the NFL and two that played at in a at a pretty high level right now. Yeah. And uh, the guys that we're talking about are Garrett Groshak, Nakia Watson, the the third down back for Jonathan Taylor, who plays in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Nakia Watson, who needs some vision, and he's hasn't gotten a ton of chances. And Isaac Garendo, who is a who little banged up, has hardly gotten any chances. And after one week, I don't think they're really in comparison to the likes of. Melvin Gordon, yeah, so James know, White, let me, Monte Ball. Let me just go down. That's pretty high praise. Let me just go down memory road one more time. Uh, 2014, and you brought it up with the, you know, the when he had it for a week, the rushing record. Melvin Gordon, 25 carries, 408 yards, and that was basically and four touchdowns. That was basically like in three quarters. Yes, and that was back when the Nebraska was still all about the black shirts. Yes, they still had a decent defense. That was under Bo Pelini. And then I believe, if I remember correctly, it was, like the next, papers? it was the next week, and that was when Samaje Pirine. Yeah, they kept him in the whole game. They kept him in the whole game, and, and I want to say out. it was against Kansas, who at this point you have to question whether they're even a Division One team. <laughs> Seriously. I know. I know the Mad Hatter's there now, and they're starting to bring in some better recruits, but at the time, Kansas was like on the huge, like that huge losing streak where they didn't beat like anyone. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to find it here. Yes, single game. Four, yeah, the 44 to seven win over Kansas. Yeah, was Kansas some, is terrible. Samaj P. Ryan. It, it wasn't like a nine four hundred and twenty seven yards. Yeah, it wasn't like a nine ten Nebraska team. Well, they were blowing them out, and I remember being a little hacked off about that. They were absolutely blowing them out, and they kept P. Ryan in the entire game. He, and had, then, he had 34 carries. And Melvin then on Gordon the flip side, three quarters and 25 carries. Yeah, the Badgers were blowing out Nebraska, who was at the time a decent team. Yeah, and they pulled them out in the third quarter. Just going down a memory lane here, Nebraska, when we think of all the games against Wisconsin, I know there's not a lot just because, you know, starting in 2012, there's still a good chunk of them. Hey, what's the, speaking of that, since it's only been eight years, how about all the quarterbacks that Nebraska have had with the last name Martinez? Yeah, how many, well, how many are there? At least two. Yeah, there's two. Confirmed. Adrian and Taylor. And you know what? Both of them struggled to throw the football. <laughs> Remember Taylor Martinez? Yeah. Throwing the football? It was basically just stop him running. Because he threw that. <laughs> the mechanics for Taylor Martinez, not good. Oh. Nebraska would have got tuned up. It, wouldn't have been, it would not have been the running game. It would have been the Graham Mertz experience again. I bet you Graham Mertz would have thrown for six touchdowns if it wasn't for the Rona.